It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But know that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I make to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come, with the, come to you by, with joy by God's will and in the company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, good morning to you. Good morning. It's uh, such a privilege to be uh, uh, among you, uh, we've known each other for quite a few years, and I've had the privilege of coming uh, several times. Every time I come, I, I think about my English and uh, the struggles I go through, uh, but uh, I always say that if there is anything that you understand today of what I'm saying, that's probably the Holy Spirit talking to your heart. So, and if you don't understand something, don't worry about it. I probably don't either, so... You know. Uh, what a beautiful passage uh, we have today uh, to reflect about uh, God's mission. You know, when we read the, the marvelous uh, letter of uh, Romans, um, we think about the purpose of the Apostle Paul of writing that letter. Uh, he's probably writing the letter from the, the city of Corinth. And, uh, and many say that, okay, he wanted to show the... the, the, the the tremendous uh, beauty of the gospel. So he goes on explaining for uh, 11 chapters the, the power of the gospel. So he wants to show to the Romans uh, and resume to the Romans the importance of the gospel of justi justification by faith, how we are justified before God, how we run our lives looking for being justified, and there is only one that can justify us. That's God through Jesus Christ. And then other people say, okay, he wanted to, to show the gospel and expose the gospel to these people that he never visited, to this church he never visited. But he also wanted to make sure that they understood the gospel applied to their community and to the importance of uh, bringing Jews and Gentiles together and have a reconciliation. So they, they would say, you know, he wants to, for them to understand the, the, the importance of applying that, uh, that gospel to the community. And yet others say, uh, and I like what they say, <laughs> is that he's writing a missionary letter. He's showing his credentials. 
through the gospel. And he's calling a little bit before the, the passage we're reading today. Uh, he's showing his credentials. He's calling to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. And now he's telling them, I uh, want to visit you. And uh, the reason he's uh, looking for that, so he could be sent to Spain. So there we have in this short passage, I would say, four beautiful components of what our calling as a church uh, to do missions. And those four beautiful uh, components, I would like us to go together as we, we read them. Uh, in the first place, um, um, the, the verses uh, 22 and 24, uh, 20 to 24, uh, talk to us about uh, the importance of having a gospel vision. We need to have a gospel vision. So he says, I have this ambition. And this ambition is to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is what I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. So Paul has a holy ambition. His ambition is to preach the gospel in places where nobody else uh, had gone before. So that's about church planting. He wants to preach the gospel, and he is about, you know, starting communities in those places. And this, this holy ambition orders his, all of his priorities. He says uh, in verse uh, 22, he says, I have been hindered going to you before because I have a priority. This is my holy calling. This is my holy vision. This is the ambition the Lord has given me. And they are also priorities, but they are also a way to measure his goals and objectives. He says, I have fulfilled uh, this whole region. Now I can go to you on my way to Spain. And this vision is also giving him the opportunity to envision or to see new opportunities. I have filled this, and I now want to go to Spain. What a beautiful picture of what uh, a vision and a holy ambition means to the church and to somebody that is called. Do we have a holy ambition? I'm sure we have many ambitions and many visions for our churches or for our lives. But God wants and God is about putting in our hearts through the gospel this holy ambition to see the gospel to be spread where the Lord is not named yet, where the Lord is not being called yet as a Savior, as an, as an Lord. Uh, this ambition reminds me of my father, so I put a picture there of my, my parents. They, they, they had this, this, this drive. You know, I remember my father going to a new city in Argentina or in places where we would do missions. He planted over 40 churches. Uh, so, you know, I went about planting churches with him as well. And so he would go through a city, a new city, and he would be looking for buildings and all that. And, you know, people would be looking for restaurants, maybe or sites to see and visit. He was looking for places that he could plant a church. So he said, oh, that's a wonderful place. We can rent that and plant a church. And I was a little boy, you know, and my sister said, oh, no, there we go again, you know. <laughs> but but that, that ambition that drived his heart, you know. And um, the Apostle Paul is saying, I have an ambition. My ambition is to preach the gospel where 
the gospel is not being heard yet before. And then I think also my, my father, my, my grandfather, my grandfather was also uh, driven by this gospel to preach. He was an evangelist, so he would get this little cage or this little box and stand on top of that in the streets and preach the gospel to so many people throughout his life. And he was passing away. The last minutes he was passing away. He wanted to get up. He, he wanted just to get up because there were two people in the factory across the street from where he lived in a very poor place. They were expecting him to hear the gospel. Holy ambition. A gospel vision. That's what we need. That's what we need to be renewed on. We need that gospel vision in our lives. And I believe the Lord is giving you that gospel vision as a church. You've been with us and with our partners for many years, and I thank the Lord for you. I just pray that this time God will renew that in your lives and in your hearts. Amen. As we're going to meet in a few months with the consulting board of the City to City Latin America movement in December in Buenos Aires. With a few stakes, and also we pray, and also we pray about the vision, about the 40 cities that we want to reach in the future years that have many, many unbelievers, many, many non-Christians, many people that don't know the Lord. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you will pray for us and you will pray with us. This ambition, this holy vision, this gospel vision helps us to order our lives, our decisions, uh, help us to be focused in our work, in our families, in our relationships. We need that at the church level and at the personal level. So that pray for you today. And let me just uh, read with you uh, this beautiful statement of, of my father. Uh, he wrote that to me in a little paper that he put on the collar of his uh, shirt as he was given that through some guardians in jail when he was put in prison because of the gospel. And uh, sometimes the shirt would come with the blood stains of the torture. And he would be able to sm smuggle, how do you say smuggle, some of those uh, messages. And this is a message that I treasure in my, in my safety box. I have no money in my safety box, just a couple of pesos, which are worth not much in Argentina right now. But I have this little paper that he wrote to me and to the family one night. And I just want to read it to you. It says, last week I told you that the cross is unjust and undeserved suffering. But at the same time, it has the power to redeem. Amen. We have to walk the same path as the Lord. Although at times we get discouraged, I would like to say that I am not worried persecution. Isn't this part of the glory that God gives us? Doesn't it say that everyone who wants to live a holy life will suffer persecution? So, holy vision, holy ambition to drive us through life with this glory of the gospel. Second, gospel depth as we read in verses 25 through 27, you know, this is now, however, I am not, I am my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's 
people there for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owed it to them for it. Uh, if the Gentiles have shared in Jews spiritual blessings, they owed it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So she says, however, I'm on the way to, to, to Rome, so uh, I may go to Spain. Uh, and, and he's saying, I'm taking a little detour. I'm in, in Corinth. So he's going to Jerusalem the other way. It's a 2,000 miles detour. And it's just not, you know, driving or taking, a, a, taking a, a plane. It's just walking for the most part. Or, you know, taking those, those, those ships. Uh, so it's just like 2,000 2, uh, miles detour. And so we ask ourselves, you know, just to take the bag of money, just for that, I mean, you can, you know, you can send somebody else. That's, it's not practical to your vision, Paul. You have to be reminded of your vision. You just were talking about the vision. So it's not practical. You know, it's not good use of your uh, gifts and, 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 and abilities. And, you know, but Paul says, I must do it. I must do it. Because it's not about the money. It's about the depth of the gospel is about the total gospel. It's about the whole gospel. It cannot remain in the surface. You know, when the gospel comes to our lives, it changes everything. It transforms the structures. It transforms relationships. It transforms everything. And that's what we are praying for in Latin America. You know, the church has been growing, but we say the gospel has to go deep. We discuss to challenge all the structures and relationships in society. We still have levels of corruptions unheard of. So where is the church? Where is the gospel? The gospel has to go deep. And Paul is making sure that everybody understands that as the gospel impacts lives, it affects every single area of lives, relationships, and society. It's challenging. So he's making his commitment clear. I'm going to take, to, the, to, take the, to take care of the poor, as he made that commitment, and he mentions that in Galatians chapter 2. But he also says, I'm going to make sure that this beautiful connection happens, you know, between the Gentiles and the Jews. They don't speak to each other. They, you know, they don't like each other. They, but I'm going to show them the power of the gospel, how they share to each other's weaknesses through the, each other's Strengths, generosity, commitment to one another. What a beautiful picture. The gospel has to go deep. Paul says, I had to do it, and so do we. We have to do it. So, it puts us in a pleasure of giving and receiving. We are in that depth of the gospel. So I, I was, you know, remind, I was reminding yesterday to some of our friends when I went to do one of those church plants. Um, we um, uh, we went about doing that uh, for a while, and then I heard a story in the neighborhood. I heard a story. Somebody told me a story, and the story was like that. Did you know that in the place that you are meeting, it was a place that was used 
to hurt children. And I said, we have to do something. We have to do something. There is hurt in this neighborhood. And the gospel is coming to heal and redeem. So we went about building, using the structure of our church so, uh, to build this early childhood center. So we have today 180 kids. And it's so beautiful to see. We had, in the last nine years, over 1,000 kids have gone through that. And so many testimonies and miracles of God's redeeming hearts, lives, families. And I'm so grateful for that because the gospel has to go deep. Has to go deep. Has to impact every area, every area of our church and our society. The message to the barriers, uh, to the neighborhoods is, you know, families are just making lines to send their children to our daycare center. And the governments approach us to say, how are you doing? How, how, how come you are doing what you are doing? Why are you doing? So we had a chance and a, a possibility and an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So that saying uh, that I like about uh, our brother Charles Spurgeon, It is the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Amen to that. And so some of the pictures there of the children. <laughs> and uh, some of you have, have gone and seen them. And it's just a beautiful uh, testimony. of The gospel has to go deep in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our nation. Amen. Gospel fellowship, the third component uh, verses 28 and 29, I just read to you. So after, after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the measure of the blessing of Christ. I will visit you on my way to Spain. What was the intention of Paul? And we read a little bit before, you know, uh, we just uh, read that in verse 24. It says, I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me, be partners on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul's intention was that the Romans would be partners with him, you know, in the going to Spain. This partnership was gospel partnership. Gospel partnership. And that was a, a global partnership. You, you would see the, the picture of this beautiful text. is like he's mentioning the Greeks, you know, the Macedonians and the Achaeans. He's mentioning the Jews. He's himself writing from Corinth. He's writing to the Romans. He's, he's talking about Spain. Wow. What a global picture of a partnership. This is everybody working for the same kingdom and the same gospel. And he's saying, we need to be partners in this. We need to be partners in this. It's a global partnership, decentralized partnership. Why? Because he's talking to the Romans. Like the Romans were thinking, okay, you're coming to New York now. That's it. You got it. You made it. That's it. Paul is saying, no, I got to go to Spain. You guys can help me. You are not the center of the world. You're not the center of the world. 
We got to keep on going. This is a decentralized partnership. It's centralized in Christ. And so the beauty of that picture also talks about the complementary partnership. Say, I help you with some. You help me with the other. Our gifts come together. and We do it together for God's glory. And I love this. It says, I will come. Listen to this. I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I will come to you in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. What does he mean there? And I just posted to you this, this idea. He said, I'm not going to use you. I will come to you in the full blessing of the, of the, of the, of the presence of Christ, in the, full blessing, in the measure of the full blessing of Christ. I will come and we'll join Christ together. We're going to have fellowship. This partnership is fellowship. It's not a practical partnership only. It's a fellowship that comes centered in the gospel and then we enjoy Christ together. We need that. And I can tell you how important it is to me to be here with you today and this weekend. I just came for just a few days. I, go to God. I have to go back to work. I am my vocational pastor. So I have to, you know, go back to work. <laughs> it's not that this is not work. This is work. And so I'm my vocational. <laughs> or by, I, would like, I, I like to say by occupational because there's one vocation, one calling. We're called to serve God. We're called for Him to serve Christ. And so I do a couple of things. In that regard. But, you know, this, this connection, this fellowship, just to say thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for this friendship. You've been part, a key part, in the four congregations we planted since 10 years ago. I remember the first time Brother Mark, Brother Bob, uh, uh, they came and I was afraid you know, said we didn't know each other. We had a common connection, and then I met Pastor Jerry. But that that first time, ten years ago, and I was afraid of you know I was a single father raising a daughter uh, since she was three years old after going through a big accident. All kinds of things happened, and I was just afraid. Telling him, look, I'm a single pastor, a single father. I said, what are my friends, my my brothers are going to say? And they just said, are you in the work of the kingdom? Are you in fellowship with, with pastors that, that take care of you and, and, and walk with you? Then we are together on this. What a healing relationship. My goodness. And God, look what God has done through those 10 years. Four congregations. And you be part of each one of them. Each one of them. Each one. You've taken a decision that we go with this and this and this and that. And I would say, Belgrano, Merlo, Caballito, and Palermo. We are names. But you've been part of that. <laughs> you've been part of that. And I'm just so thankful to the Lord. The timing, you know, of those partnerships. Sometimes you happen to run across on the last day meeting somebody, and God is there connecting us, connecting our hearts, and making this happen. How to finish. I have my fourth point, and the last one, gospel prayer. And I just said gospel fellowship. And then you have, you know, our dear C.S. Lewis. He says, friends are not primarily absorbed in each other. It is when we are doing things together that friendship springs up. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. We are looking at the same direction. 
the growth of the gospel. That's our mission. Praise the Lord. Ten years of partnership. Can you believe that? I was very young, like 15. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we go gospel prayer now. Verse 30 to 33. So Paul is saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying, by praying to God for me. So our partnership and fellowship, I, I say, find their highest expression in our prayers for each other. That's where real partnership comes and real fellowship. And Paul is saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I need your prayers. And we are praying for each other. Prayer is the summum bonum of our calling in Christ in our mission. So, do you know why prayer is important? Because we give up our control on the mission and the task. And we are reminded that he called us and he's going to take us through for his glory. So I need to be reminded of this. My wife is good at this. He's in control. So pray for me. He says, look what he says. He says, pray for me uh, by our Lord Jesus Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because what he has done, he's the only one that can make it possible. And then he talks about God's will. And this, by the love of the Spirit, through the love that we have to each other, to join me in my side by praying for to God, uh, praying to God for me that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there. He's praying for something that looks obvious. You know, of course you want the, the, the offering to be received. And of course you want, but he's praying. Pray for the obvious. Pray for every detail. Pray for God's provision at every step because he's in control. And for his glory. And so we need to pray. And we need to gather ourselves and remind ourselves. And I like this word. The one that he uses there. Struggle with me. Join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. This is a struggle. This is a, a battle. And we are together on this. Every time I go to a new territory... It was four months ago when we went to, the, I was walking with my wife, you know, and there is some sense of tension there, you know. There's no churches around, hundreds of years, nobody's claimed that place for God, for the Christ. And we were walking, you know, to our first service, and I took my, my wife's hand, and I was just saying to her, I, I know there is a spiritual battle going on. But I know there are people praying for us. We are together in this struggle for God's glory. And so I remind you, we are in this struggle together. Join us. Keep on joining us. Keep on praying for us. That God may take control, that all will be for his glory, and the kingdom may expand. And so he is also saying, and when we join again, when we see each other again, we'll be refreshed. And the peace of God will be with us all forever. And so I just thank the Lord for your lives. And thank the Lord for uh, 
what the God has uh, done throughout the years, and for these beautiful four components of the gospel that God is presenting to us today. Let's be reminded of the vision, gospel vision. Let's be reminded of the depth of the gospel has to go deeper and deeper in our hearts first, in our lives, families, and the rest of the world. Let's be reminded of gospel fellowship and gospel prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I went a little bit longer than 20 minutes, but I, my English is sort of now rambling around, so let's pray. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word. What a powerful is your word and is the message of the gospel to our lives. May we be today inspired by this gospel vision, this holy ambition. Maybe we, may we be driven by this calling, Lord. Our eyes be directed to our local reality, our regional reality, and the rest of the world. And as we do it, let it not be shallow. Let it be deeper and deeper and deeper doing the work in our hearts, families, lives, cities. And in that fellowship, we are reminded that we are not alone. We are together. We are partners. And as we pray, we are reminded that you are in control and you will take us through for your glory. In the name of Jesus. And all the people say, Amen. Amen.